Welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast with your charismatic host and prominent safety expert, Dr. David Perodin. Be entertained and informed as the Safety Doc discusses both best and bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. The truth will keep you safe. Follow Dr. Perodin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast. I am your host, David. And we are in store for another terrific episode where we will examine second order thinking, how to construct deeper meaning from context and situation. So again, I'm complimenting you, my audience. You're different than the typical audience. You want to be safe. You want to understand safety. You want to understand your environment. You want to be able to have um, more informed discussions about policy, procedure, um, theory, just things that impact uh, your, your well-being and your safety in society. I'm here bringing that to you rhetoric-free, and thank you again for making me a part of your week. So a few things. Um, so we're going to talk today, uh, again, about first-order and second-order thinking. And I'm going to make that hopefully very clear for you um, once we get you know through this of, of what first order is and what second order is. And I want you to conscience, consciously think about what it is to be a second order thinker. A lot of us tend to be first order thinkers. I've fallen into that. It's just we're conditioned to do that, you know, with the modern media, with with the rhetoric, with advertising. And I want you to be very aware of what you're saying, what you're thinking, and to bring about a second layer or second order of thinking, which is going to make you much more informed and actually make you a much better processor of information for your personal life. This is going to this show is going to have a big impact on you folks, and I'm very glad to deliver it. So I have assembled my notes for tonight, as you know. I always do that, uh, pages and pages of notes, I've read through articles, I've have come up with a, kind of a contemporary analysis that I want to do. Um, I don't have too many interesting uh, stories to, just to share at the start, except um, I have been, I limed my yard and also put fertilizer on it, and it looks pretty good. And I, I've dug out a number of dandelions, and, and then I have a little shaker with uh, some Kentucky bluegrass and some some white clover, although some people call it a weed. Now, back in the 1950s and 60s, there were a lot of clover lawns that brings nitrogen into the soil. And it's, it's a little bit funny because my neighbor, he's about 10 years younger than I am, and he basically replicates everything that I do with my lawn care practice <laughs> to the point where he came over and he was showing me like his bag of dandelions that he like, you know, dug out of his lawn and, and you know, that he's been applying lime and all of that. And, and I'm like, well, you know, I, I, I've worked in greenskeeping to some extent, you know, but I'm not like an expert on this. So, <laughs> you know, Tim, uh, it, it, you know, I, I think what I'm doing is going to help you out, but, but you might want to contact someone else, um, you know, if you're really looking to get that super green lawn. But I think I've done a pretty nice job, actually, in this uh, podcast. I'm going to throw up a picture of my lawn just because I am really happy. It's green. It looks great. Um, it's been a while. I used to, to spend so much time on my yard, and then I kind of got away from it after, you know, we had... We had the two girls, and now I'm going back to it a little more. Um, and I find it relaxing, too, you know, to dig out the the weeds and the dandelion. I don't use gloves, you know, and, and just to pull them out. Of course, you know, nothing prickly or something like that, but um, and then pour a little bit. I have a shaker of, um, of again, um, Kentucky bluegrass and, and clover and then tap that down and hope that it rains, you know, so that it grows, but... Uh, but anyway, so first order thinking. First order thinking is very literal. A lot of us do this, and a lot of us do this without even thinking about it. Um, second order thinking is much more deliberate. I'm going to talk about the two today, and what I want you to do, what I want you to do is to be a second order thinker. 
Now, there will be times you will be a first order thinker, and that's okay because that is innately built into us. Uh, that's part of our genetics. It's part of our response, our reflexes. That's fine. Uh, but to recognize when you are being a first order thinker and then to reapproach that with analyzing that with a second order approach. This all seems kind of abstract right now. Trust me, I'm going to make this very clear for you. This is going to help you understand when the media is doing a very articulate spin on something that they're trying to present to you, commercials, advertisements in stores, and so forth, and just discussions in general that people will have with you, and little strategies that you can use to kind of gain the upper hand in discussions where people are trying to uh, push you for a position on a, a certain topic or something that has happened. Um, so that's what I'm here today to, to help you with. This is very, very critical also for safety. I'm going to hit that at the end. But if you are able to do second order thinking in a high stakes safety situation, you're going to be much better off. Uh, much better off as far as your outcome in that safety event. And I'll talk about that. So, um, again, the, the title of today's show is Second Order Thinking, How to Construct Deeper Meaning from Context and Situation. So let's talk about rhetoric. You know, I mention rhetoric all the time, and I don't always define it, so let me define it again. Uh, rhetoric is, excuse me, uh, language designed to have a persuasive or impressive effect on its audience, but often regarded as lacking in sincerity or meaningful content. So it's kind of like virtue signaling in, in that aspect. Um, rhetoric is where people try to, um, you know, get you involved in a um, kind of a flash mob hashtag, something that's happening right now. And I talk about this in, in podcast 26 with sanctuary cities of really people, you know, just getting on board of sanctuary cities that are, you know, a great thing or whatever. Um, and, and I dissect that, you know, back in podcast 26 with a former LAPD detective and, and trying to understand what some of the terminology is around that. I work really hard in this show not to take positions, although sometimes my positionality does show through in the show. But um, but with the rhetoric, rhetoric, again, is, um, you know, just think about it as when people are trying to pers persuade you uh, into aligning with their perspective. Um, okay, that that's what rhetoric is. The media is very good at that. And the media does that also because it has so many commercial sponsors that it needs to, you know, appease and so forth. But um, if you've at all followed my show, if you've subscribed to this show, the viewership has has continued to climb. Uh, I am up to uh, 14th on the Podmosphere out of, you know, a huge number of podcasters, uh, which is remarkable. And my iTunes um, analytics look outstanding and, and just... Um, this show is on the405media.com out of Los Angeles, California with John Grant, the405media.com, the League of Extraordinary Podcasters. And uh, just, you know, I've been, the audience has been building. There, there are people out there who want to hear this. Um, you know, it's not as, as flashy as some topics out there, but I can guarantee you that what I'm telling you um, I'm removing the rhetoric from it. I'm anchoring it to empirical research, and I'm giving you a stronger base to analyze, you know, just events in your life, events which might impact your personal safety, the safety of your family, and just your overall um, well-being. And, and I think that's invaluable. Um, so anyway, rhetoric, language designed to have a persuasive or impressive effect on, on its audience, but often regarded as lacking in sincerity or content. So that's first order thinking, okay? First order thinking. Now, second order thinking gets into this whole uh, epistemology, okay? And I might have struggled, I struggled with that a little bit because actually when I took my uh, first doctoral class at UW-Madison back in 2009, it was all about um, epistemologies. 
And I was lost at the start. I was like, what is this? What does this even mean? But epistemology is the theory of knowledge, especially with regard to its methods, validity, and scope. Epistemology is the investigation of what distinguishes um, justified belief from opinion. So basically, it's a study of why I believe what I believe. Okay, why I believe what I believe, in anchoring that to empirical data, um, where it's just not opinion, like, you know, um, opinion is what you're going to get out of rhetoric. It's what you're going to get out of the mainstream media. But go deeper into that, anchor that into roots, and that's going to get you to epistemology. So a big word, yes, but that's second order thinking. You will be there today after this podcast. So, all right, so how many of us regret our initial reaction to an event? I have, I have initial reaction. Uh, perhaps somebody states something that invokes an immediate visceral response. We see this on Twitter, and there have been studies done on people posting to social media. Those studies indicate that, that most of those people have made posts that they regret and wish that they could, could retract or, or that they never made the statement in, at, in the start, you know, that I wish I would have never, I never would have posted this. Um, so the fact is it's instantaneous, it's visceral, it, 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 it's almost reflexive, it's deep down inside us. And that's very, very natural. It's a very natural response for people to have, very normal response for people to have. Even people that are very, very disciplined um, to have an immediate visceral response to something. So that's a first-order response, okay? That's a first-order response. Now, I'm going to take you deeper into that and bring you into how you can make that into a second-order response. Now, your friends and, and people that associate with you will start thinking, oh, my goodness, you know, Karen or Bill, they're, they're really looking at our discussions in a whole different light than they were, you know, just a month ago or just before listening to the Safety Doc podcast. So um, anyway, um, there, there are examples of first-order thinking. You know, it's very concrete. It's quick. It's visceral. It's driven by emotion. Um, it's driven by rhetoric, meaning what you're hearing on the media. You know, you want to uh, align with the media. You want to you uh, be aligned with the media. You want to follow what the media tells you. Um, and it's just that you've heard that narrative so much from the media. For example, sanctuary cities. You know, sanctuary cities are bad, and sanctuary cities are, are, are going to cause... Um, immigrants that are in the country that are undocumented to be, you know, deported. Well, that's not accurate, you know, and, and I talked about that in Safety Doc Podcast number 26 with uh, retired LAPD detective uh, Thomas Marchetti. But, um, you know, we get into then some of the, the legislation behind that, actually dating back to 1996 uh, when President Clinton had signed a bill saying, you know, that you needed to have an exchange of information between local police and ICE, and that couldn't be interfered with. But yet it wasn't; nev it was never enforced. Um, and then, some, you know, just the weirdness of the Patriot Act of saying, um, you know, uh, uh, say, I, that's really an INS issue. If INS has an issue with this and need to study it and figure it out, we're not going to get involved. But anyway, um, so, you know, let's go back. It's very, first order thinking is very concrete. It's very quick. It's very visceral. What I mean by visceral is it's what you feel. It's what you feel. So, um, you know, like, I, you know, I, I, I feel that this is very wrong or I feel, I feel upset about this. So this is what my comments are going to be about this. It's very visceral. So emotion is react is part of this. The rhetoric, what the media is portraying is part of this, what's portrayed in, in, in television shows, so forth. Also tribalism. I want to put this in there. Um, it's hard to separate yourself from, if this is the way that your family thinks, this is, this is the way that your place of employment thinks, you know, that you act differently from that. Um, it's, it's over, you know, <laughs> centuries and centuries 
survival has been linked to tribalism or going along with the tribe. It's the people that act, act outside of the tribe that typically don't have good um, endings. <laughs> so, you know, it's one of these things, too, that, that has been ingrained with us. So um, constructing meaning from earlier developmental perspectives. So let's talk about that. So this is a first order uh this is a, a first order process of thinking. And that is meaning something happens and you compare it to what happened in the past, what you're familiar with, and then you make your decision based upon that. It happens very rapidly. You know, we're talking seconds, milliseconds, whatever. But you're taking the past, the patterning of the past, and you're saying, okay, like this fits the pattern, and boom, whatever. So, um, I'm going to give give an example. So I, I, a research study, it was a 2005 study by Jennifer um, Oliette Schramm of Hamlin University, uh, Minnesota, and St. Catherine University, Minneapolis. I, I'll link that up. She suggests that people that construct meaning from earlier developmental perspectives demonstrate lower critical thinking in expressive communication. So basically, if you are taking something and it's like, well, I've been through this in the past, so basically I'm just saying this is similar to what it was in the past, and I'm using my past experiences to analyze this and, and make my determination on it. Okay, that demonstrates a lower level of thinking. Now let's dissect that a little bit. Um, it's like saying, you know, there, with, the earth is flat. Well, you know, we've known the earth is flat. Scientists have said the earth is flat, you know, hundreds of years ago um, and centuries ago. And, and all of a sudden, you know, someone says the earth is round, you know, and and but you're saying, you know, I've been told the earth is flat. That's the information I'm going with. So, you know, the, the earth is flat. So um, you're constructing that meaning out of earlier developmental perspectives, meaning you are not taking in new information. This is the key. For second order thinking, you are taking in new information. And you might adjust your position and say, you know what, I didn't know this before. I know this now. I'm changing my position based on this new information. That's second order thinking, okay? That's second order thinking. People will get into first order thinking and they'll double down. They'll say, nope, the Earth is still flat, Pluto is still a planet, and whatever. Do not be one of those people. Be not, do not be one of those people. Be a second-order thinker. Take in new information. Seek to be more informed. Um, we don't know a fraction of, of what makes the universe tick. And as that information becomes more apparent to us, take that information. If that changes your beliefs and your knowledge base, that's great. Then just say, I have new information now that has modified my perspective on this position. That is second order thinking. That's what I want you to do. Okay. Um, if you don't do that, you know, it's, it's lower. It demonstrates a lower critical thinking in expressive communication. If you are just going back to what you knew or what you've always been told, Okay, this is what I've always been told, and just sticking with that. In other words, okay, your beliefs and previous experiences will create both bias and patterning in how you process the environment. We all have bias. We all have bias. It's, it's there. It's natural. We have bias. Some things we like, some things we don't like. Um, we all have patterning, meaning if we've gone through something so many times, um, that we expect the next um, occurrence of it to follow a typical pattern. Just think of like thunderstorms, okay? You typically pattern thunderstorms. When a thunderstorm arrives, you know, you know that you're going to have some wind coming up. Um, you know, you could have some hail, whatever. There's going to be a pattern that this is going to follow. Now, that's not always the case, okay? Now, you know, you, you could have new... Uh, you, you could have a very severe storm, which causes damages, which falls outside of that patterning. But you have this patterning of what you what you expect. Again, it is that patterning 
also which causes problems. It's the patterning which causes people to say, I'm not going to leave during the hurricane warning. I've been here during four per hurricanes and everything's been fine. So I'm going to stay and I'm just going to, you know, board at my windows and wait it out. And those are the people that they find who are deceased upstairs in their attic, um, you know, after the hurricane has, has passed because they are stuck to patterning and not stuck to um, the new information of the severity of the hurricane, also that the wetlands have been diminished, um, and and you know some of some of that different information that would inform them, give them a different perspective on the context and the situation. So, um, so anyway, so again, in other words, your beliefs and previous experiences will create both bias and patterning and how you process the environment. This happens with everyone. But the more sophisticated thinkers, which you are, you're not following this show unless you are a sophisticated thinker. Pat yourself on the back. The second order thinkers analyze the present context and situation, exercise epistemological thinking over rhetoric response. Meaning, let's go back to rhetoric. Rhetoric is the language that's used to persuade you. Epistemology is the theory of knowledge you're studying like why do I believe this? Why do I really believe this? What's the science behind this? What's the, what are the things that I can actually measure? Like why, why do I believe this? Why do I believe this? Okay. So, um, second order thinker, thinkers recognize their positionality. I'm in this too. All of us are that we have some positionality. When I did my doctoral dissertation, I had to check my, uh, positionality many times. I'm a school safety expert. I am an expert witness. I testify in legal cases. So I had a, uh, not a difficult time, but I need to be very aware when I was in districts and examining safety procedures during my dissertation process that I was not evaluating procedures. I was just observing procedures and documenting. That was a fine line to draw. So, um, but again, recognizing your own positionality, your own expertise in certain areas, uh, your own beliefs, that be, that evolves you from a first level thinker to a second level thinker, second order thinker, which I want you to be. So growth, you might have had a visceral response to something. Um, I did, and I'm going to tell you about it. I'm going to tell you about it. I'm not not proud of it. It happened, and I analyzed it and figured out why it happened, but um, I was reading an obituary. young man in his 20s had, had died of cancer, and I'm reading the obituary and, and talked about all the things he had done, you know, like he'd gone hunting, um, you know, the different trips he had taken, and I met, I felt some, some jealousy to that because I hadn't done those things when I was his age in my 20s. Not that I'm unsatisfied with my life. I'm absolutely not. Um, I have a wonderful family. We just got back from a trip from Disney, which was phenomenal. Um, you know, we do a lot of uh, terrific things. It's a it's a very great time in my life. But I'm looking back at my 20s, and I'm like, in my 20s, I wasn't doing any of that stuff. And I was kind of feeling this visceral um, jealousy response. But I knew it wasn't right. I knew it wasn't right. That was a first order visceral reaction to me reading that and I knew it wasn't right so I took the time then to um, you know to figure it out so I wasn't comfortable with my feeling you know that you know I shouldn't be jealous I mean this this young man had cancer and he died and he was probably doing a lot of these things while he wasn't feeling the best and, and whatever and here I am feeling that you know his 20s were much better than my 20s yet this young man died in his 20s um, there's something wrong with that. Um, but let me clarify what what I mean by wrong. Um, so I wasn't comfortable with my feelings, so I applied my uh, epistemology to understand that, or basically that trying to understand my belief from opinion. And I, I went back and I was just looking, studying hard back in, in I took a long run, and I was like, you know, I did a lot of cool things in my 20s, but I wish I would have explored more. And it's one of those things you kind of learn later in life. Um, there is an author, Aaron Clary. I purchased his book, A Reconnaissance Man, and going through that, 
and uh, we'll do a review of that book. But it it talks about if you're able to, you know, in your in your twenties to go out and to discover the world and and to do different things. And really, I didn't do much of that in my in my twenties. Um, so, you know, not that I had excuse me had a horrible twenties. I absolutely didn't. But it's one of those things I kind of wish I would have done. Um, but we all have things that we wish we would have. Excuse me, we wish we would have done. It's funny with hiccups. I didn't have hiccups when I was younger. I have hiccups when I'm older. Um, so, you know, I so I wasn't comfortable with my feeling. I applied that uh, epistemology to study the, you know, the to justify belief from opinion. Why was I feeling that way? To understand why I felt that response. Then to bring new knowledge to the construct and arrive at a more informed position. Basically, I was, you know, I just realized it was nothing with this young man. It didn't matter, you know, the obituary, his name or, or anything in it, or it could be someone telling a story on TV about, you know, things that they do in their 20s. I think it's a point where you reflect back on, on life and what I was doing and just was wondering if I made the most of my, of my 20s, you know, which any of us can argue. Uh, but yet, you know, I, I recognize that that's what I was doing. Um, and I think that that was healthy, you know, also to, to some extent to, you know, to do that. Um, so I didn't lament it, you know, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't go with me, but it wasn't this, this, I didn't feel upset with this man at all. You know, of course he had, he had passed away, but it was a reflection upon, you know, are you making the most of your own life was really what that epistemology was about. That second order of thinking was like right now, Dave, are you making the most of, of your life? Are you really doing what you want to do? It's like, yeah, I am. You know, I'm writing, I'm writing books, I'm consulting, um, I'm doing the podcast, I'm doing a lot of, of a lot of great things. I'm having a fun time. I get home, uh, you know, my daughter and I go and I go outside and play Foursquare on the on the sidewalk. It's kind of peaceful sometimes to just go out and to, to dig up dandelions with the warm sun hitting your back. So, so yeah, you know, I'm fine. Um, so, and the thing is, no, I wasn't wrong for what I felt. You know, the thing is, well, you know, how could you be, how could you feel some, some inadequacy or jealousy of a young man that died in his twenties? You're, you're reading this, this, uh, obituary. And I'm like, you know, you don't have to feel bad about that. That's a visceral feeling. The fact that you felt bad about that had nothing to do with this young man. It was um, encompassing his life during that span. And then you looking at your life during that span and also looking at your life in the present, making sure that you're making the most of your life. And, and just the the fact that we think we have this this you know, life is this race without a finish line when really it is. I mean, there is a, the, this finish line out there. So, um, so no, I was happy for him. It was more of a reflection again of looking back on my life of saying, did I make the most of the time that I had my twenties and thirties and now in, into my forties and, and to, to analyze that from an epistemology saying, you know, what's my belief about life and what you should be doing and contributing to others and so forth. So um, the first order of thinking would be, you know, just like, I'm jealous. Heck, I got to do all these things. You got to do hunting and all of those things that I never got to do that. The second order of thinking is looking into um, what are you doing with your life? What are your goals? Um, how are you helping others? And how how are you advancing your own um, life to meet I guess your bucket list or, or the things that you want to accomplish before you pass on. So, um, but again, it's not wrong to feel that visceral feeling. And I want to point that out. It's not wrong to feel that visceral feeling. That's very, very natural. So, um, your, your, your tacit knowledge will soon make you feel that how you respond isn't aligned to the person that you are. I want to give another example to this. When I was a school administrator, um, we all have tacit knowledge. Tacit knowledge, and I, I, I talked about this in my dissertation. I wrote about it extensively. Uh, there was a study of firefighters um, in the 1980s. The military was having a hard time figuring out how to train their 
top leaders into making decisions and also understanding the decisions that they made. So they worked with a, a researcher by the name of Klein, um, and Klein had a number of then college graduate students assigned to firehouses, I believe it was out on the, on the West Coast. And their job was, and, and I talked about this, I believe, in an earlier podcast, but their job was to follow uh, firefighters, go out, go out, and this was back in the 80s. I guess you could do it back then. You could follow the, follow, follow the firefighters, go out on the fire, and you would document what you observed. And one of the things that happened was the firefighters would, would leave the roof of a structure, um, and they would come down and, and the researchers would say, like, why did you leave? Why did you come off that structure? And they'd say, because it was a soft roof. Well, what is a soft roof? Does it physically feel soft? I mean, what is all this? And they couldn't come up with a, a vernacular, a register, a terminology to come up with what this, it's just like, it felt soft, okay? Like we shouldn't have been up there anymore. And it was true to the effect of that roof was close to, to caving in. I mean, it couldn't support their weight anymore. But it was the, this tacit knowledge that people had a hard time articulating. These firefighters had a hard time articulating. Um, so, you know, your your tacit knowledge is going to come back and tell you when your actions, when your first order response, okay, remember that first order response, which all of you are better than that. You can do that, but then you need to figure out what, why you really did that because that's it's it's you do that and it's like oh that really wasn't me that really wasn't me so my example on the first order response and and it, it was it, it was a meeting at a school a large number of people that i didn't even know that would be the at this meeting um and it was about a student with a disability and they were challenging the services the student was receiving in the way in which staff were trained and I, in the administrative position, needed to stand up for my staff. At least I believe I did. And I, I just said, you know, you're challenging the training of my staff and, and just kind of went after the people, you know, the parents and, and their advocates and whatever that were presenting at this thing. You know, this has be, become an attack on the credibility of our staff. Um, and to some extent that was accurate, but yet like, it was delivered in a way that is not at all aligned to how I interact with people. Um, so what happened was I remember walking out to the parking lot and the principal said to me, wow, you know, like you really, you really gained some points with staff, by the way, you know, you stood up for them. And, and I was thinking, I felt really bad. I'm like, that was a first order uh, reaction from me. And I needed to analyze that and figure out, you know, my epistemology, my belief, why I did that, what, what the second order was, why I really did that. And, and I studied it, you know, I think I, you know, what I do a lot is I run at night and, and I, I processed through it and I was like, I, I was uncomfortable. I didn't, that wasn't the way that I felt. I didn't want to come across that way. And what I needed to do is, is to really, um, you know, probably say in the moment, you know, that, I, I, I think this is being presented in a manner which is questioning the training of the staff. Um, I don't believe that's accurate, but I'm going to get more information and then I'm going to share that out with, with the people at the meeting. That would have been very much a second order response that you're going to inform yourself. You're going to seek information before you make a determination. Um, but I was acting very visceral. Uh, very, very much to a core of, you know, someone who'd be, you know, the caveman response of being challenged and having to rise up and then also to protect, you know, my, my staff. Um, and I remember it was just a, a ride of solitude home. I felt very bad about it. Um, yet, you know, staff were appreciative that I had stood up and, and made this very, um, dramatic, statement um it just wasn't me and that was part of also an indication at that point that i that i needed to 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 explore different things um you know for my career and, and different things that i wanted to do because i wasn't going to role play 
it's not a great way to go through life and role play unless you are an actor, okay? Um, if you're going to role play, you know, through life and, and take on, um, you know, what I would say is more of this, this first order position and, and subscribe to the, to the rhetoric. Um, that's hard to do. You know, you're not true to yourself versus that second order and your epistemology of being more, cl um, closely aligned to yourself. So anyway, um, I, I, you will become very efficient with this evolution from being a first to second order thinker. Again, what I've talked about so far, I believe has helped you, but you can do this and it's okay to say, you know, this is the way that I felt initially. And now that I've thought about it some, and now that I've gotten more information or I've gone in and I've researched certain things, like I have a different perspective or I've talked about it to different people. Like, I, I, you know, my position on this has, has changed. It's okay. The people that do that, boy, does that show a lot of growth. And does that show a lot of integrity of somebody to come out and say, you know what, with the new information that I have, with the way that I've reflected upon this, you know, I'm going to modify my my opinion on this versus doubling down and just digging this this trench and another trench and another trench and saying, I'm staying with this position no matter what. You know, the earth is flat. I don't care what you say, it's flat. No, no, be a second order thinker. So again, I go back to, um, you know, when I was... Um, it, when I was at that meeting, you know, about this child, you know, I felt really bad. You know, I, I, I felt really bad because I, I almost felt like I was acting. I was playing a part. I was doing a first level response too because I was reacting to the visceral response within, within me versus taking it to a second level response, a second order response and running it through and saying, you know what? Let me look at the professional development that staff have attended. Um, and let's, let's focus on, you know, some of the, the other core issues of this meeting and, and I'll get back to you in some of these other, other, you know, these, these, these other areas. Um, so, um, I'm going to use a quick example of Star Wars. Now, obviously, uh, May 4th wasn't too long ago. So may the 4th be with you, which was on one of the road signs, um, on my commute in and out of work, which actually I did appreciate this time. Um, but let's use Star Wars. A lot of us are familiar, familiar with Star Wars. I remember 77 when I came out watching it in the theater. I was young. Um, and to me, it made more sense back then than it does now. But anyway, let's take Star Wars from the perspective of first order thinking and second order thinking. Again, I want you to be a second order thinker and you can do this. You can do this. Okay. All of you can do this. I'm giving you the tools to, to take the steps toward being a second order thinker. So let's say we're all in the theater together. You and I, hundreds of other people were watching Star Wars. It's 1977. It's awesome. We have the bell bottoms. Hopefully they still have nachos. Um, but yeah, maybe the surround sound isn't as good, but Star Wars, pretty amazing. Lightsabers, all of that. Um, so after Star Wars is done, we leave and let's say we gather outside of the theater and somebody asks, what was the movie about? A first order thinker is going to say from a linear perspective, here's how it started. Here's what happened. Here was the next thing. Here was the next thing. Then there was a Death Star. Then Luke did this and whatever. And they'll talk about some of the main characters and whatever, but it's very much an inventory of of what was in the movie and then a timeline of what happened. It's not getting any deeper than that. That is first order thinking. So first order thinking. That's a first order account of Star Wars. Think about it this way. You take the entire film that George Lucas had of Star Wars and you unroll that. Roll it down and it keeps rolling and rolling and how many miles that would be. Um, I don't know, but let's say, you know, you have a, you know, two miles of film. Th linear thinking is starting at that first foot and walking all the way to that last foot where the, where the film is ended. That's linear thinking. You're telling that story from that perspective. Here's where it started. Here's where it ended. That's first order thinking. Okay. First order thinking. Most people do that. 
you are better than that. And here's why. Here's what you're going to do. Here's what you're going to do as a second order thinker. Okay. A second order thinker, when asked about Star Wars, they're going to say, you, you could have a question. Why was Luke Skywalker and company attempting to defend the force? Whoa, that's a different question. Why were they attempting to defend the force? Well, first of all, question like what, what was the force? You know, it, it's an, and it's an ambiguous, ambiguous power, you know, um, it could, it, it, you could take it deeper. You could study it. You could think about it and say, and here's the thing, like, you don't have to give an immediate response. You don't have to give an immediate response. People feel they, they're cornered. They need to give an immediate response. You can say, you know what? That's an interesting question. Let me get more information on that. I want to inform myself more about that before I respond to you. But wow, that is a sign of a second level thinker, second order thinker. And that is a wonderful thing to say. Okay. So, um, so here's you, you know, you're, you're saying, you know what, give me, let me think about this a little bit. I need to do a little bit of research into this and, and let me, I just saw the movie. Let me process it. It was, it, it was great. I love it. But as far as like, you know, trying to, to decipher and come up with, you know, in this, this, what is all the meaning and what does all this mean now? And this can apply to anything in life. Like, give me a little time to, to inform myself about what's going on. Go back to podcast 26. I did that with Tom Marchetti when we talked about sanctuary cities. We didn't take a position for or against, but we talked about the act in 1996, uh, which impacted sanctuary cities the um the act in 2014 uh, which impacted and then also um i believe the um the 287g program but we talked about some of these objective terms um and and just helped inform people but anyway so second level thinker so they're like why was you know why was luke skywalker and company attending attempting to defend the force it's like well you know what was a force you know, and, and also, you know, you think about it more. Is the force, this is 1977. Put yourself thinking about 1977. What was the, is this really about like the, a subtle talk about the government, uh, that it can either serve the people or oppress the people, you know, in that sense? Was that what, what this was about? You know, we go back to the Wizard of Oz and how that had all these, you know, alleged meanings to it, but maybe, Maybe this is something that's a little bit bigger and, and you can bring it into a discussion of it's really about oppression or, you know, going along with the government. But, you know, also what happens if a government has omnipower, you know, which would happen if Luke had joined the 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 dark side or his his father, you know, Darth Vader. So so really, I those are second level discussions. OK, um, and. It just amazing. It's also this thing of, you know, was it, were there parts of that that paralleled like Western civilization or capitalism and Eastern civilization, communism? So that could also be Western civilization, the, the, the good side of the force, you know, Eastern civilization, the, the bad quote side of the force. I mean, because we were talking about a Cold War time in history too. So, um, there could have been much more that was reflected in this, this movie and then, that would become second order thinking for you. Or does the force simply account for the vast unknown aspects of our current universe? It's like, I don't know how the universe works. I mean, you point a, a flashlight in the sky and you turn it on, that light beam goes forever. I mean, it doesn't end. There's no end to the universe. Is it simply a way to say that the force is some way to account for the universe? And it's like, that's it. Like, it's it's a way to settle people down a little bit of trying. That's a time also. Think about 77. Put it in this context. You know, we're close to getting the space shuttle, you know, that, that is is um, just a few years away of. We're, we're trying to understand our place in the universe. So is, is this a way to also help us to understand our place in the universe through this film? So that's second order thinking. So what do you think Luke was feeling at different stages of the movie and why? That question will come up, you know, like, what do you think Luke was feeling and why? 
you know, how how would he cope? How did he cope when he found out that Darth Vader was was his father? And what's so? Here's the question. You know, you like you know you can come up with second level thinking of. You know, Luke was shocked. You know, that's first level. But the second level is how do, how does he cope with this? Um, and and so how does how does he cope with that? How does he still stay with his purpose in in life? Who are the people around him? He goes to Yoda, Obi Wan Kenobi, things like that. Um, and just you know the the internal strength of of Luke. But that's different. That's second level thinking. Um, and there were, there are some questions people will bait you with. Okay, like. How would you feel if, you know, like, how would you feel if you were Luke Skywalker? Or how would, you know, how would you feel if, um, you know, Darth Vader was taking over the, the, the question is, the, you, those are loaded questions, okay? And here's an example. I'm going to give you a parallel to that. So, there are disability awareness days in schools. And a common activity is of a wheelchair. And they might have students who will, who will sit in that wheelchair? They'll have sit in a wheelchair and they'll have them navigate cones, cones or whatever, do a, you know, down a hallway and, and come back and whatever. And it's like, okay, now you have some awareness of what it's like to be in a wheelchair. You do not. That is a first level awareness. Okay. A second level awareness, which you won't have. And it's okay to acknowledge it. You're not going to have the second level of awareness, but this is okay. So, so the thought of this disability awareness is it's giving you this, this second level awareness of what it's like to be in a wheelchair it's not really doing that but what it's what it's doing let's go back to this wheelchair um you don't know what it's like to sit in a wheelchair your through the entire day to have the sores that develop from that the raw so the, the actual sores that need to be treated um not being able how to navigate a wheelchair on ice and getting through hallways and having your fingers you know hit up against door stops and things like that in, in transferring from a wheelchair to a into a bathroom stall and out of wheelchair and things like that. It's nothing like it. Um, so it's a very fine line to run, but it is not taking you from a first level understanding to a second level understanding. Now, if you were in a, a wheelchair because something happened um, to you where you needed to use a wheelchair for three months, well, yeah, then you've acquired through experience a second level of understanding of that. Um, but as, um, but otherwise, you know, otherwise you haven't, you can't just dabble into something and get that, get that second order of thinking. So, um, dun, 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 dun. we already talked about, yeah, if someone was to ask you about Star Wars, if you're a first order thinker, you're going to be very linear. You're going to say, this is what happened at the start. This is what happened in the middle. This is what happened at the end. Here's the characters. Yeah, there was a Death Star, you know, there was job of the hut. You know, you're going to talk about things like that, very objective, but you're not going to kind of link into the deeper things of second order thinker. So, um, so let me, let me just just kind of pause as I go through this. So, um, you know, what what was the force? We already talked about that. You know, the force also, you know, could have been at that time. It could have had to do with a religion. Christianity, who knows? Maybe it's the light side versus the dark side, the loss. Church, you know, attendance was declining. Maybe it could be related to something like that. These are all second order thoughts, okay? Not that these are all accurate, but it's these are the type of discussions which are second order discussions which present you as the intelligent person that you are. Um, so... Uh, what is the turning point of the story you know this goes beyond the mere account of the linear sequence of the film if someone's just looking again they're walking from that first step all the way to that that last step of the film they're not seeing that there was a turning point in there but there were many 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 turning points it's not so much a film as it is a puzzle you're giving different puzzle pieces and, and having to figure out how those fit together if you are a second order thinker excuse me, thinker. If you're a first order thinker, it's completely linear. It is that straight line that you are starting, you're walking that straight line for, you know, I don't know how long a, a movie is, but I'm assuming it's several miles. Once you enroll it, you're just walking along that script. You're long, you're walking along that film. Um, so, um, dun, 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 dun. So, yeah. So, second order thinker, the turning points. Like when Luke found out that 
um, Darth Vader was his father. That was the turning point. When Yoda died, turning point, you know, because he didn't have a mentor anymore for Luke. I mean, you could go through and identify some different turning points, but also these can be turning points too that then you can take and and take in second order discussion and relate out to, you know, government. We you know when certain leaders had passed on, um, you know that, you know what what did that mean for for the government? You know, for example, um, but uh, trap question: What would happen if people ask you, what would happen if? What would happen if? Um, uh, similar to like, how would you feel if like you know, you were were Luke, okay? The thing is, like, you don't have that context and situation. You've watched the, the film. And it's like, I don't know. You know, I don't know the, the whole background of Luke and the training, and I'd have to think about that. Like, you know, in, in my own bias, my own position comes into that. You know, it's obvious the film portrays how Luke feels. How would I feel? I don't know. I'd have to think about that for a while. I would ground the question to something that's empirical, such as, you know, how, you know, here, here's a question. So I don't know how I would feel if I was Luke. I would know how I felt, you know, like Luke was at, at a risk of losing, you know, the, 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 the good side versus the dark side, the light side versus, you know, I understand what it feels like to lose your home during a severe storm. The feeling, you know, of that, which could be somewhat parallel or similar to Luke. I understand that feeling of the tornado sirens going off and you're in the basement and you're hearing the winds go through. I haven't had that happen personally where my home has been damaged. I've had a relative that had her home destroyed by a tornado. So, um, so that would be a parallel of saying, you know, that's, that would be a very, you know, if I was to relate it as if, if this is my personal, experience um yeah i'd feel very you know very uneasy um of of losing this but again linking it back to something that that's concrete and parallel so as we get into the end here what is what is different uh what is a different way to solve the problem so that's a leading question too someone's like what's a different way for like luke to you know solve this problem with the force well again you've seen the movie okay the, uh, it's a leading question. So a leading question assumes also that the solution that Luke had, the solution in Star Wars was incomplete or inferior or it ranks in this priority matrix somewhere of like, you know, there were, there's like 10 solutions and this was like the fourth best solution, okay? The truth is there are often endless solutions and many are convergent or I shouldn't say convergent, they're divergent, meaning you can have a lot of different ways to accomplish the same thing. Um, and, and that's where you need to come in with secondary thinking, you know, saying, you know, there, there, there's a, there's a lot of way to get, there's a lot of ways to get rid of non-invasive species in our neighborhood. You know, there's a lot of different ways to do this. There's a lot of different ways to do that. Um, so that is what you're thinking in second order thinking. Now, you know, there's some things that are always going to be divergent. Like there are not a lot of ways to put out a fire. Like you have a fire extinguisher, you aim at the base and you're trained that way and you put out a fire. So, you know, but are there a lot of ways to enjoy a 4th of July? Sure there are. A cookout, you know, uh, a gathering, you know, going out and, and putting up some activities that your family plays, music, whatever, telling stories. I mean, it's con it's very divergent. It's not convergent. So that's second order thinking. Um, first order thinking tries to get you to be very divergent very quickly. So um, a leading question, how would you have solved the problem of like Luke and in you know, the, the, you know, taking on the, 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 the dark side. So that's a leading question. Avoid an immediate answer to that. L you know, say, that's an interesting question. Uh, that's a great question. I want to think about that because what are the variables at play here? For example, in, in Star Wars, no one knows the depth of the resources possessed by the light side or the dark side. Those are things you'd want to know. Second order thinking. What are the possible new technologies or alliances to exploit, to, to benefit from? You don't know that. Um, what about the non-aggression principle? You know, how, how does that come into play? Because if, you know, you have Darth Vader perfecting the Death Star, which is going to, you know, be destructive, yet, you know, you have this concept of a non, 
um, aggression principle, which is typically the 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 light side. Um, so how, how do those things come into place? You can have those type of, of discussions. So this is all trivial. I mean, it's a movie, but it's discussions that they're very intellectual that also get into deeper philosophical um, societal societal issues. And they can be fun discussions to have um, if you want to go to this this level. But these are second order discussions. And I think it's very important to understand um, how to have these. And the biggest thing I'm telling you right now is if you have two things. If you have a visceral response to something in your, you know, from the gut, and you're not happy with that, that's okay. Just study it. Why did you have that? Why did you have that response? Try to figure it out. Um, and the second thing is, it's perfectly fine to say people to to say to people, I need to be more informed about this. I don't know enough about this right now. Um, I want to get more information, and then I'm going to give you my thoughts on this. That is second order thinking. So. Um, you know, again, I would love to talk more about this after I better inform myself on this matter. If people said that so many times in government and just throughout life, if people just took that pause and said, you know, I, I just don't know enough about this situation right now. This, you know, I, I this matter, give me a little bit of time to research it. Give me time to think about it. Think about my positions, my bias, how this plays in. And then, yeah, I'd be glad to give you my take on this, but I'm not there right yet. Like, I want to process this a little bit. That's second-order thinking. Here's where this comes into personal safety. Sometimes, you know, and I've been thinking about, like, you know, we have time to do this. But let's say that a shooter enters a school. Okay, you have an active shooter situation. We typically have these sayings out there. And the, some degree of run, hide, fight. Run, hide, fight. What it should be, that's first order. First order is run, hide, fight. That's first order thinking. Second order thinking is think, act, fight. You're always going to fight. You're always going to try to preserve your life if there is no other option deemed available to you. That'll always be there. But the first thing in second order thinking is think. Because maybe the think is that you know what, there's a window right there that I can get out of. There's a door 10 feet away that I can get out of. There's something obvious that, you know, because you've been through drills, be, because you've been conditioned that you're going to overlook. The first thing is to think, and that doesn't mean that you're taking 10 minutes to think. That think can be three to five seconds. That you're analyzing your context, analyzing your situation. You're going from first order to second order. You're invoking think, okay? And that's the difference. And I'm going to, I, I talk about that extensively in one of my books coming out, first order to second order. And this whole run, hide, fight is, is very, um, very linear. And it should be think, act, fight. It fully should be think, act, fight. So as I close today, um, I want to thank you for, you know, just the opportunity to continue to do this show. Uh, thank you to John Grant and the 405 Media out of Los Angeles, California. The show is available um, at 1 p.m. PST. I urge you, urge you to subscribe to me at SafetyPhD, at SafetyPhD on Twitter. You can follow the show on YouTube. It's easy. You know, once you get in and you find any of my shows, it links out like here's a follow up through YouTube, how's, you know, SoundCloud, I'm on iTunes. But please follow the show. I also do a blog. I put more detail in the blog. I put links out to the resources in the blog. These are all things that you can follow. They add to your intellect. Um, you're already an intellectual, inquisitive audience. I appreciate that. Um, and please, please, you know, follow me. Please continue to get the word out there about personal safety, about well-being. We have some wonderful guests coming up on the show. Um, I do have um, a, a lady just in a few weeks I'll be interviewing who is an international traveler, is going to talk about, quote-unquote, kind of that spidey sense of, of understanding your surroundings and, and when you're not safe in those surroundings. 
Um, also have, you know, a former NFL player. We're just going to talk about personal safety, what happens when you become a public figure. And I do have uh, a, a very interesting interview coming up with someone um, who has a drone uh, service and is going to talk about um, the legalities and, and, and safety and responsibilities of, of owning a drone. So uh, we'll continue to take this in, in, in many directions and cover many different aspects of safety. Thank you very much. This is the Safety Doc. Have a great day.